Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 225 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for another day in your word. Help us hear the message you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's see what Luke chapter 3 has to teach us today. Luke starts out by telling us about the rulers of the day. The time was somewhere between 27 AD and 29 AD. The rulers mentioned were cruel and were the sons of the wicked Herod the Great. When he died, he divided the kingdom and gave each of his sons a part of it. His sons were Pontius Pilate, Herod, and Philip, all of whom also ruled with cruelty and harshness. These were difficult times for the Jewish people because they were treated so harshly by the government, even without Jesus having entered the picture yet. Luke also mentions the high priest Caiaphas and his father-in-law. As we know, these men were more interested in power and receiving honor from the people rather than serving the people. All around, the Jewish nation desperately needed a savior. Luke writes about John the Baptist preaching repentance and baptism. John tells the people to have a heart change and serve one another. This seemed foreign to them because we see they asked John what he meant and how to do what he said. John told them to offer clothing and food to those who had none. He told the tax collectors to collect what was owed and no more. He told the soldiers not to use brutal force against the people and not take bribes, but be satisfied with their wages. He spoke with such wisdom that some people thought he was the Messiah, but he dispelled their belief. Jesus is baptized by John, and we read about the heavens opening up and God speaking. He said, you are my son, my beloved. In you, I am well pleased and find delight. This would have been the ultimate affirmation for Jesus to continue to do the work he was sent here to do. What an amazing time this must have been for the people of the day. They were so closed in and held down, but these miracles were taking place around them, which we know changed the world. As per Luke's attention to detail, he provided a historical account as he listed the genealogy of Jesus all the way back to Adam. Then he tells us Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Luke has given us a lot of information here in this chapter. We are blessed to have such an accurate account of what was happening at the time with some history included to help give us a complete understanding of the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Well, let's see what Paul teaches the Corinthians today in chapter 10. I love the reminiscing Paul does at the beginning of this chapter. He talks about the Israelites being led by God out of Egypt and into safety. They were supernaturally given food and water. Even so, the Israelites were not obedient to the Lord and they sinned against him. Paul writes about all their transgressions and warns the people not to behave or complain as they did. In verse 13, he tells them that no temptation is too large for them to overcome with God's help. He writes that God will always give them a way to escape sin. May we believe this for us as well and turn to God in our weakness. He will strengthen us and help us hold firm when we are weak. Then Paul continues with his argument about eating meat that may have been sacrificed to idols, encourages them not to eat it if it will hurt someone around them. Otherwise, they are invited to eat the meat that is set before them in various situations. May we seek to act in ways that benefit others instead of causing them harm to themselves or their consciences. Well, let's see what's happening in Job chapter 21. Yesterday, we read Zophar's response to Job. Today, we read Job's rebuttal. He asks them to listen to him, and then they can go back to mocking him. 
Part of his so-called friend's argument is that he is suffering because of some evil he has done because God brings bad things upon the wicked. However, Job spends a good deal of time telling them the wicked often prosper in many ways, so their argument means nothing to him. In verse 34, he says, How then can you comfort me with empty and futile words, since your replies there lurks falsehood? Ultimately, he attempts to show them their argument is wrong. In chapter 22, we read Eliphaz's reply. He tells Job that God doesn't need him and God doesn't benefit from him. However, we read the very first couple chapters in this book and we saw that God was delighted in Job. Although God doesn't need him, he does take delight in him. In verse 5, Eliphaz says, Is not your wickedness great? There is no end to your iniquities. He obviously thinks Job is wrong in his argument and wrong that he hasn't sinned. In fact, he thinks he sees his many sins. One point I'd like to make here is that our words can entrap us. Sometimes the best thing we can do is be quiet. I'm not suggesting Job should have, but I'm suggesting that we could because we see that Job's friends could not see and it is likely ours cannot either. Eliphaz starts making up all sorts of accusations against Job without verifying any of them. It is the only way he can imagine all the devastation that has ever happened to him. However, we know his accusations are baseless. We can also see here how others may judge us because they can't imagine it being any other way for themselves. Their own reasoning tells them it has to be a certain way. May we rely on God to judge us and others and not put false labels on anyone. Well, let's see what we can learn from Psalm 44. This psalm was likely written when the Israelites were in captivity in Babylon. The psalmist starts out writing about how God delivered the Israelites from Egypt and brought them into the promised land, much like we read in Corinthians today. The Israelites did none of this on their own, and the psalmist writes about believing and boasting in God alone. Then he writes about how God abandoned them. They lost wars and are now in captivity. He begs for God's help in the last verse, saying, Rise up, come to our help, and deliver us for your mercy's sake and because of your steadfast love. He calls upon God's mercy and love. Yes, our God is merciful, and he is loving. We will definitely have days when we think we are abandoned, but we must know the Lord will never abandon us. He will save us as his word promises. In fact, he has already saved us as he sent his son to die for us. Our eternity is set aside for us. May we live in God's promises today and every day, no matter what our circumstances on this earth look like. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for showing us your power and might in your word today. As we read about you saving your people from captivity, may we know you are working in all the circumstances of our lives as well. Strengthen us and keep us seeking you above all the things in this world. Keep our eyes on you and the promises in your word. Help us feel your love and mercy toward us because that is who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word.